Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast where we share our stories of starting and running our float centers. But I'm guessing if you're listening in December, you already know that. So welcome back this week. Uh, if you missed last week's episode, uh, we are doing some shorter episodes as... Uh, Amy and I uh, and Brian in the background there too. He, he uh, wants me to mention him as well, are uh, looking to spend some time with our, our families and having a little bit of downtime during December. But what would this world be without a little bit of art of the flow in your life? So, of course, uh, we are here for a shorter episode. John has been incredibly sweet to join us in December here. And we're going to go a little bit deeper into what we talked about last week, which is creating a destination workplace. And, um, I think we covered some some great general ideas, and now we're going to go a little bit deeper into the topics that were covered and uh, really understanding how to implement these things. Oh, one thing I do want to give a shout out to ProFloat. ProFloat is uh, creating products for, excuse me, they're not creating products for the float industry, they're distributing products for the float industry, and it's uh, something that needs to happen within, within the industry, and I'm so happy that it's wonderful people doing it, uh, ProFloat is. You can go to our website, artofthefloat.com, and go through that link, and that will just send a few few ducats our way if you do purchase something through them, uh, which we recommend all the products that they have on there so far. I really like what they're doing over there uh, at, uh, at ProFloat. All right, let's get into it. John, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing very well. Amy, how are you? I am fantastic. Happy <laughs> to be here. Excellent. I'm glad to have John here. Uh, if I if I didn't say it already, we're not covering our weeks uh, this week. We're just going to jump into it, respecting John's time here and, and our own time during the holidays as well. Uh, so let's just go ahead and g- jump into this. And uh, John, I, I don't know if you want to start with the job description itself or, or any of the bullet points, but let's go ahead and jump into the, the detail. Okay. Uh, last week, we talked about some of the uh, documents, narrative Vision was yeah. one. That sort of speaks for itself. Um, culture. Culture is really important. And this is the one that is really blowing off a lot by owners um, because they don't really see a value in it. But I'll give you an example. Um, for women in the audience, uh, they probably know a, a website called Zappos.com. Uh, they started in 1999, I think it was 99, selling women's shoes on internet. Mm-hmm. Internet was barely around. So they thought these guys were crazy. Um, Who would buy shoes online, John? <laughs> Who Not would? women, that's uh, for sure. No, God, no. And so are they cheap or inexpensive? Yeah. Cheap is a quality issue. Are they inexpensive? No. Um, but they have a warranty that goes for a full year and you can return them for any reason. doesn't matter. Including but, size. Including size. Mm-hmm. You, know, you buy shoes? On Zappos? Oh, no, I just read their book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and in 19, what is it, uh, 10 years later, 2009, mm-hmm. their revenue is $1 billion. So did they write years. a narrative, John? Yeah. <laughs> or did they have a plan? They or actually they just did. Playing they it by ear. <laughs> um, and I think a year or two later, they sold it to Amazon for $1.2 billion. And Amazon being wise company they are, did not change the format or the name or anything. They just let them go. <laughs> so if you're in Vegas, you can do a tour of Zappos. Oh, oh really? Cool. Now, the point of this is about, they attribute probably 75% or somewhere around there of their success to their culture. Mm-hmm. And everybody there can recite their culture and lives it. 
they go through an interview process. I mean, we talked about the destination workplace. They are a destination workplace, absolutely. In fact, when they're, um, I think it's uh, a month into the job, they're offered $2,000 cash to quit. Mm-hmm. Almost nobody quits. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so, but that's culture. And if you don't believe me, Google Zappos culture. And there's m- multiple videos on that. Uh, so it is a really critical part of your, of your business. And what I mean by culture is um, a lot of people have a hard time starting. So I've got a starter uh, points of culture. But it could be commitment or ownership or integrity, excellence, communication, success, education, teamwork, balance in life. That's important. Uh, fun. If you're not having fun at work and it's just boring, uh, not good. Uh, systems, uh, consistency, gratitude, and abundance. Those are the ones I start with. And a couple of sentences with each one that we can modify. So I, I like a, a final document, about six maybe, that people can actually remember. And uh, communication is almost always there. And owners are shocked by the fact that they would actually put commitment and integrity and communications on a culture document by themselves. So, yeah, let me, can I, if I can... Uh just uh, take a moment here. Uh, we actually went through this process with John. And once again, I brought this up last week, but Mark was very, uh, Mark, Mark was like, this sounds too corporate-y. I'm, you oh. know, he's a hippie. He doesn't like this stuff. Uh, and I said, well, you know what? Let's just trust, trust John. Just trust the process. You know, if we don't like it later, we can just kind of ignore it. It'll go away. Uh, so we... <laughs> Truth comes out. <laughs> okay. So we did. We, we, we actually did what John said. And the process is very interesting. Mark and I did not choose the culture. We actually distributed the sheet that he just wrote, that he just read off of, um, because it was a place to start. We distributed it to our employees and we asked them to pick, I believe it was three things three. that they wanted mm-hmm. to see oh. more in our, in our workplace. And we took the top six. And put them on, and then we have monthly staff meetings. So every month we would go through one. We would talk about how does that apply? What does that look like in everyday work? Um, like for example, communication. What does that look like? How do we how do we be better communicators? What can we do to help be better communicators with each other? Um, how do we how do we use that? And it felt a little awkward at first, and it felt a little uh, felt a little weird in the beginning. But by the time we got to meeting four or five, where we're going through one per meeting, all of a sudden it started to kind of click. And that said, you know, it wasn't something, we didn't have to keep this culture. Our culture is constantly shifting and changing. Mm -hmm. So there are some things that became more apparent, that became more important than some of the things on the list, but it really has changed. It's a very subtle thing that you think, wow, that might be cheesy or that just might be too corporate for us. But it really becomes part of your fabric as a company it, and it makes sense. It does. It does. I am um, one client. I have a radio station all the way down the hall to the back. They put the words like commitment, things like that. And they've got it framed in a probably two by four kind of thing and put it right on the wall, all of the, the, uh, the statements and, uh, transportation company I coach, uh, put it, laminated, put it in every truck they have. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I work for a company that said the client comes first and the letters were falling off of it 
and it was absolutely not the truth. So the, the dollar bill came first. So that yes. was absolutely and, not true. Yeah. And the, the real trick is some of them will say to the owner, okay, we're living it, but you're not. Huh. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen it where I had a staff meeting once in a retail store and the culture was before this was all about bitching and complaining about mm. each other and, <laughs> and crazy clients and everything else. And we did the culture and about probably two meet two meetings after that, somebody started in on the working conditions or somebody else mm -hmm. and two other people brought up the culture and said, Nope, that's our culture. Now we chose it. Huh. We got to live it. Amazing. The change, huge change. So that's a really critical document. And every six months, you should really it. review it. Okay. And Amy's with staff meetings. Some people take one of them and discuss it. So huh. that's a really critical document that has an amazing effect on your business. And I do think uh, it's critical that the the staff chooses it and not you. And that's where that whole yeah. clients come before the dollar bill. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, the staff needs to dictate that, not the. Yep. And Is so, that, it's at, John, you you agree with that completely? Um, with the staff doing it. Absolutely, not, not the just place your business. doing it, but it. What if so? I, my vision, is clear. Sanjanai's vision of what the float shop is is clear. To mm -hmm. me, I want everybody else to enact that vision. And if you sign up and you you're part of this, that needs mm -hmm. to be part of you. To yes. like this culture is part of you, not. At, yep. And and I'll, you can correct me where I'm going wrong here, but as opposed to okay, now it's all in your hands and it's going to evolve where you guys go when it's like, whoa, whoa, I, I am looking at the spreadsheets. I know my customers or where I want to go. Mm -hmm. So tell me where I'm missing something. Um, the way we get around that and not, I shouldn't say get around it, but <laughs> the owner can say, can choose three items in there that are going to be there no matter what. Cool, okay. Okay. And, and Amy, what, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. So they're... Um, their idea of um, of culture, your idea is still out there, but the staff get to create. You'd be surprised what they do. It's a. I what? have never seen an owner not shocked by what they choose. <laughs> I believe it. And they're also the ones who are there all day, every absolutely. day. Absolutely. Of course, and, they're going to have insight. And almost every time, the owners three are also in the top six. It's, a, it's amazing. Oh, interesting. And yeah. it, what were you going to say? It's true. Uh, I was going to say, it, it was interesting that what our employees picked was what Mark and I were picking behind the scenes. There was huh. one that I was like, oh, I'm not as excited about that, but it's, mm -hmm. but it makes sense. And when I see them perform at, perform at, the, at work, when I see them do their job, they are getting to the place that I envisioned our space to be. So... It was. It, it was. it was scary to let them do that. It was terrifying, right. and I didn't want to let that go. But just like John said, it came back, and what they chose and what they picked was what Mark and I had picked behind the scenes. <laughs> I was like, oh, here I was so worried. I'm like, is it doing the right thing? Does it take the power out of our hands? And I'm like, it kind of changed the way that I viewed my employees and the way that we dealt and that we interact with our employees. And of course, it's going to allow you to let go a little bit more. They're going yeah. to take more ownership, all the good things. Exactly. That's interesting. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. And then you link some of that stuff with your appraisal also. Are they actually doing it? Sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So the next one, let's talk about um, job descriptions. Sometimes you might call them positional contracts, but that just scares 
the crap out of people. So <laughs> um, we'll stick with uh, job descriptions. And I'll go, go down the list of things you probably should have in it. Um, the title, the job title. What is it you're called? Um, where you're working. In Hamie's case, it would be Float Nashville or wherever. Uh, who do they report to? Uh, bigger companies use this uh, because uh, if you've got, well, what, one company had 30 employees and when they filled this out, I asked them just to fill it out just to see if they understood anything and they, they filled out the, uh, who they reported to. They were wrong nine times out of 30. I, I of who they report to. The owners have to know too, right? Yeah. Who, who do you report exactly. to? I mean, I, I yeah. mean, have you had that problem? Because our employees have had that problem between... Yes. Do I tell Emily, and, Sandra, Dylan? I don't know. And Mark exactly. and I, Mark and I sat down with John, and John said, "You both need to know what your job is." And from that point forward, um, there was one time when I kind of butted in where it was Mark's job, and I, <laughs> I realized quickly the mm. big difference between, oh, I need to let him be this to our employees. I need to be this because it makes their life more difficult. And they started playing. I shouldn't say uh, that. But every once in a while, even though I don't think they were consciously doing or being malicious, sometimes we would get played against each other. And it stopped mm-hmm. that immediately. Everybody <laughs> knew everything was, and everything was good and much easier from that point forward. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Amy. Um, <laughs> uh, pay rate. Pay rate's kind of critical. Like how much? These are questions to ask anyways. So you can just review this in an interview. Um, pay rate. What's your probationary period? Normally, it's three months. Um, when are you going to have your performance review? Yeah. Most people never get one. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a full-time, part-time, contractor, whatever type of job it is, position? Uh, and the number of hours you're going to work in a week average. And you can explain that. So that's just the basics of the job. And then you go into duties and responsibilities. These are the tasks. Okay. And, and this is what most job descriptions are composed of, is tasks. You're going to do this and this and this and this. Is a great litany of things you're going to do. Um, and that's okay. They need that. Uh, and Amy addresses that in a checklist, partially. But people, different people do different things. Amy's job, she does financials, for instance. Mark doesn't do financials. Really doesn't Thank do financials. God, <laughs> we all um, sleep better at night. Yeah. Wow. So Mark's really been um, it. <laughs> but he knows. So, he knows. He's happy. I yeah. Great. So far, this is basically a standard uh, job description. Where we differ now is the next box in there should be: I will achieve the following results in this biz- in this, in this position. Because you hire somebody for results, you don't hire them for, hmm. for tasks. So what are they going to achieve? And that's where you put KPIs. And explain KPIs. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, KPIs can be, uh, I got a list of KPIs. People, yes. How many times they're absent? How many sales per employee? So productivity, you can say, well, that's a different one. But productivity, I, number of employees you have divided into your revenue. Uh, don't use profit because you can play with profit. Revenue is more important. Because let's say you take... $5,000 out of your company because you're going to redo your kitchen. Well, <laughs> then your productivity numbers go to hell. Um, so number of complaints, amount of overtime, um, uh, 
what else was there? Marketing and sales, financial people, uh, oh, you know, output John, per employee, John, things like that. In case somebody doesn't know, I mean, key performance indicator. Did we not? Yeah. Did we actually use? Okay, good. <laughs> Just want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, key performance indicators. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, good. Stop me when I use technical terms. The um, <laughs> So anything you want them to accomplish. In other words, uh, a salesperson, increase revenue by 20%. It has to be absolutely quantifiable. If it isn't, when you get to the performance review, you got an argument on your hand. Like you can't say good customer service, hmm. even though you may want it, because you may think they're not so great at this, and they may think they're really good at right, it. Right. But so when you have a problem quantifying things like good customer service, ask yourself what would happen if it was bad. You'd get complaints. So now you can measure customer service in number of complaints or the, the dropping complaints over time. So that's, that's a way to start putting in those measurements that are quantifiable, that are irre irrefutable when you come to the, the review. No arguments. It's yeah. just quantifiable numbers. Um, the, the next, I'll meet the standards while working in this position. And every business has standards. They're different. Because standards can be, timesheets must be completed uh, within two days of cutoff or whatever that is. Uh, phone, sometimes people want the phone to be answered on the third ring. Right. That means you're not sitting and doing nothing, first ring, and um, you're not letting it go on and on, risking people just to drop off. So the third ring, that's the way people think. Is it ideal? So it could be that. It could be uh, customer queries responded to in X number of hours. We did a whole tagline based on, it was a, a bobcat company that did snow removal and summer maintenance and things like that. Sounds like a small company, but his revenue was over a million a year. So, nice. uh, so he said, we will answer the phone in person 80% of the time and for that other 20% of the time, I'll get back to you within half an hour. Nice. Trades never do that. Hmm. It's days. Hmm. So he just set himself so far apart. Nice. And that's the standard for his people too. Got it. Okay, so that's standards. That's for everybody. Um, here's where it's an interesting part that I like already. I had already have or quickly developed the following knowledge, skills, and abilities needed for this position. You can actually, if you've got a great person and a great resume, cut and paste part of that resume and put it in there. Because when they sign this, that means that's true. Nice. <laughs> cool. And how many people, what do you think the percentage of people is that lie on a resume? <laughs> Half Higher a percent. than I want to admit. <laughs> it's almost. It is almost. Um, so that's an acknowledgement of what they do know, and you can also put in what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so some optional things, uh, I'll meet these special requirements, and for some it's lifting 50 pounds if you're mm -hmm. doing certain works. Those kind of things mm -hmm. um, could be um, no allergies to whatever, right? You're working in a salt environment, da-da. Um, so any special requirements you put in there. I'll follow, I will follow our policies and procedures, and I always put in there the operations manual. And for some, in trades, it could be a safety manual and an operations manual or employee handbook. Um, and the reason why we do all this stuff, I'll start work on 
this date. And then there's a list of things that really bring this all together. I've reviewed and understand this job description. I commit to doing whatever it takes to be successful in this position. I recognize that my remuneration may reflect my success and the company's success. I will always ask, I'll always communicate honestly and openly with my employer and colleagues. I will ask for help when I need it. Reviewed, agreed to by that person and signed by the owner. That makes it very clear. It, it, very it's, clear. It's funny, like, and this is what a, how a good idea generally works, is it sounds so obvious. Like, it sounds so obvious mm -hmm. that they should know when they could get their next pay raise, right? But yep. how many companies actually hold themselves to it and or allow their employees to hold themselves accountable to that as well? Mm -hmm. uh, like, a lot of the things that you've listed are, like, no-brainers that the float shop either doesn't do or didn't do right out of the gate or took years to figure out to start doing uh, because it, it creates so much more happiness and fulfillment <laughs> among yeah, the employees. It does. There's just so fewer question marks. Knowing where you stand, I feel like, exactly. is the biggest thing I'm getting from this. Mm -hmm. And they can self-manage. Mm -hmm. And so a lot less management time goes in on them. Um, Which is so, so important, and especially in a small yeah. business like ours. Yeah, yes. Because you're not going to be there all the time. No. Nope. You can't be there all the time. So anyways, that... Uh, lets people know what their job is and what the expectations of them is, are. And so that's a really critical part. Most people don't do this, even when they see it and say, that's obvious, I should do that, because they're afraid of getting people to sign something like that. They're oh. afraid of a conflict. They might say, no, I don't want to do that. Then what do you do? That's why you do this up front, hmm. not later. But if it's later, that's okay too. Uh, it's rare that anybody ever refuses to do it. I, I'm trying to think, and I can't think of anybody. There must have been, but the people that will not sit down with you and go over this and help develop it, if it's, if it's new in the company, um, are people you probably don't want. Yeah. So, um, anyways, that's, that's a critical part because that makes your evaluation or performance review so much easier. Everything's quantifiable. You know, they know exactly what their job is. And amazingly enough, on their KPIs, if they're having a problem meeting them before the review, they will probably come to you and talk about it and ask for help. Sure. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Without you having to be surprised. John, before we, we wrap up this episode, is there anything else mm -hmm. that you want to want to mention that you think our listeners will find important? Um, I think we can probably talk about performance reviews then next week. Okay. If you want. Um, yes. Yeah, because we can get into one. that. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, we just did ours, so I'd love to know <laughs> what we should be doing <laughs> next or what did, what did we do wrong? Before we sign off, I want to give a big old thank you to Float Away. Uh, float Away makes a tranquility float tank, the Float Around, Float Cabins. Whether you're floating individuals or floating couples, uh, FloatAway has been doing this for many, many years and know exactly what they're doing. They are not just producing a float tank and making it over and over. They're creating a float tank and reinventing it over and over and over, refining it. And so uh, the float tank that I got most recently, our Tranquility, was about 10 years newer than our previous Tranquility float tank. And it does feel like a completely different float tank. 
in for our customers, it's a very similar experience. There are some additions, uh, the um, starlights in the ceiling for sure. But on the back end, what's so different and the lack of maintenance that goes into this float tank is completely different. So uh, just how many iterations of improvement are going into this as opposed to somebody who might be just coming out with a float tank or is creates a float tank and it just puts it puts it on the conveyor belt and just keeps making that same float tank instead of instead of improving it. These guys are really doing it right. Floataway.com is where you want to go to check them out. All right. Well, thank you, John. Thank you so much. Amy, thank you for joining us tonight. Brian in the background, thank you so much uh, for producing tonight's episode. And for everybody else out there, remember there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week. 